something changes. Their face relaxes, and I think I can see some of their thoughts dissipate. Their hands start to do things without being told. They start reacting to the clay based on feeling rather than thought. I'm fascinated by this phenomena, and I try to apply it to other aspects of my life, as I often do when I make a discovery about the material world. A lot of the world. Welcome to Material Fields, where we explore the intimate relationships between people, their creative practices, and the materials they have fallen in love with. I'm your host, Katherine Monahan. I'm an audio storyteller, writer, and artist living in Oakland on Ohlone land. We are on a hiatus right now, which means shorter episodes until further notice. If you are a new listener, please go back and listen to the more traditional format of the show, where I spend nearly an hour with a guest artist and their particular material. Those episodes include conversations, adventures, and various tangents that dive into the historical and cultural context of each material we cover. I have some announcements and some exciting developments in both audio and art. I also have some stories that I want to share with you. Associate producer Elizabeth Lease and I are hard at work creating an, an interactive installation titled Conversations with the Material World, which will be on display at SoundScene, an audio festival in D.C. The festival takes place at the Smithsonian Hirshhorn Museum and Sculpture Garden, and we are so honored and excited. If you happen to be in D.C. this summer, uh, or you are there now and you live there normally, uh, check out the festival. It is June 4th and 5th. It is free. You just have to register. So check it out at soundscenefest.org. The interactive piece is a tactile invitation and features four materials, four sculptures, and four makers. Viewers and visitors can explore each sculpture, touch it, interact with it, all while listening to a narrated soundscape designed by Liz and myself. So if you're there, we'd love to see you. It's free. It's only for two days. And it would be so cool to meet some Material Fields community in person. I'll also be posting a special episode after the show in June, featuring the four soundscapes, so you can hear them, even if you can't be there in person to touch the art. In this episode, I'm going to share a few stories from five different creative categories in my life right now. Audio, construction, performing, clay, and adventure. Before I share, I also want to point you to the most recent episode of Shelter in Place, a podcast by Laura Joyce Davis, another Bay Area producer. Laura and I became friends as soon as we took a listen to one another's shows. Shelter in Place is a wonderful show to listen to. It features open-hearted personal essays and intimate interviews. As a host and creator, Laura escapes into life and explores the beautiful and poetic in the everyday. The most recent episode on her feed features a conversation we had about why we create and how working on our shows has impacted us over the past few years. Have a listen and definitely check out Shelter in Place if you love material feels. Okay, story time. Here are the details on the sound scene project. We dive deeper into wood, fiber, glass, and clay. The theme of the festival is trust, and I wanted to make a piece that encourages people to rebuild trust with their creative impulses as well as with their tactile experiences. So much of our society tells us that we're not creative enough or we're not artistic enough uh, and that it takes some type of special genius or mystical starving artist vibe in order to create. And that's just not true. 
We also have a lot more screen time these days and tactile experiences are harder to come by, um, especially tactile experiences that are joyful and relaxing and inviting. This piece features sculptures by woodworker Dominique Tutwiler, glassblower Deborah Tresco, and fiber artist Selena Loomis, as well as clay sculptures and narration by myself, and music by Liz, of course. Making this piece, I've gone to visit Dominique in their studio where I filmed them making the piece. I'm also visiting hot shops in the Bay Area and filming glass. Deborah is making her piece in Brooklyn, and Selena has been creating their sculpture as well. So this is my first foray into video and filming is hard. Oh my goodness. I'm borrowing a very nice camera from my dear friend, a very talented artist, Chiboise Crouch. Shout out to Chiboise, whose creative endeavors include and are not limited to singing, writing, filming, and dancing along the side of a building (laughs) with an incredible dance group, Bandaloop. Anyway, borrowing this camera from her and using it to film for the first time It feels like I've just gotten my learner's permit and someone handed me the keys to a Ferrari. I feel gleeful and slightly terrified using the thing. And OMG, the visuals, you guys, are nuts. Did you know that if you make something go in slow motion, it's automatically mesmerizing? It's automatically sensual AF? People always comment on clay classes or pottery in general with a joking reference to ghost. You know, that scene where Patrick Swayze is behind Demi Moore on the wheel. His hands are all in her business. I mean, her clay. And he like messes up her super phallic vessel in a flirty, cute way. Which, by the way, I would find very annoying, but that's just me. Every clay artist has been reminded of this reference nearly every day they tell someone they are a clay artist or, or a potter or a ceramicist. And while I brush off the reference with an eye roll, rewatching some of my recent slow-mo footage of my friend throwing at Merit Ceramics. Whew! I mean, it's, you know, it's potent stuff, throwing with clay. It says it's, uh, when you slow it down to 30 frames per second, something happens. A lot of people ask me how I choose materials to feature on the show. In seasons one and two, we explored clay, wool, wood, liquor, sound, time, paper, glass, pigment, the body, storytelling, and ritual. I chose these materials because I feel they are very close to the natural world. They are thousands and thousands, if not millions of years old, and creative cultures have cropped up around these particular materials in cultures and societies all across the world. I'm also drawn to many of these materials because they are squishy. Materials that I can touch in my hands or that appear squishy, like glass, which you can't touch while it's squishy, that would hurt, but it just looks so flowing and shiny and transparent. I think when something is squishy, it feels like it's responsive. It feels like it can be in conversation with me. Maybe it's because parts of my body are squishy and it feels fleshy, it feels alive, it feels like an extension of me. In addition to working on this collaborative installation for Sound Scene, I've also been exploring the world of audiobooks, specifically audiobook narration. Other than getting to know fellow creatives and learning about the science of various materials, 
my favorite thing about everything I do for Material Feels is speaking into the microphone and breathing life into the written words of my thoughts, communicating with you guys. And so I thought, you know, maybe I should explore narration as a possible other side gig, as if I don't have enough of those. (laughs) I'm making my way through an introductory course about audiobook narration, and I'm already learning a lot of fascinating things. There are some crossovers between the audiobook industry and the podcasting world, but there are also some big differences. One thing that I'm getting really into is the analysis required and the theater background that so many people have in that industry. Being a narrator is more than reading out loud. It is about forming a relationship with the text and inferring what the author wanted to come to life. It is embodying a sort of lifeline between the content on the page, the dreams of the creator, and and the sounding board of the listener. My next story is about construction. I recently transformed my garage from a dark art cave with a single bare light bulb swinging ominously above a dusty wheel into a bright, light, inviting studio, complete with a Spiffy logo featuring beach colors makes you feel like you're in a surf shop. I share the garage space with my housemate Dylan, who is a guitar teacher. We've got a bit of like a renaissance space happening. His side is sort of a classy living room with audio equipment, soft black floors, comfortable seating, and framed concert posters on the wall. I invite my students to walk across his side on a plastic white tile trail to the messy side. My side has two pottery wheels in it, and a counter where I've racked canvas around the wood for wedging, hand-building, or drying wet work. I also have a pegboard where I have my go-to tools. I hang aprons, and I've got shelving where I store student work once it's ready for pickup. I feel so grateful that I have this space and that I have the time to transform my dingy side of the garage into a bright, inviting art space. Dylan and I spent time arranging it, talking about agreements and flow and coordinating our schedules. It's been really fun not doing it alone. My favorite part of the process was when I decided to make a recirculating sink. I started out giving classes to three friends as a trial and discovered that I really wanted a sink in my space, but there's no plumbing in the garage. I watched a YouTube video about how to build one. They go for $2,500 if you want to buy a portable one for your studio. An hour later, I was wandering around Ace Hardware with a scribbled list of things that I didn't even know what they were. (laughs) Do you know how hard it is to go shopping for items that you don't know what they are? I think the only thing I can compare that to is if you are in a new place where you don't speak the language and you have to figure out how to get what you need. It's sort of like a reverse of that. Needless to say, the two Ace Hardwares in Oakland got used to seeing me nearly every day in March. One guy was so helpful, I went back just to show him a picture of the finished sink. Learning about plumbing inspired me to learn about electricity, construction in general, and empowered me to continue to build things myself. My next story is about clay. One thing I learned again and again from starting to teach and having students is that turning off one sense really does heighten the rest, or at least change your relationship with whatever you're trying to do. Centering on the wheel is intimidating and can feel really frustrating because the clay is literally jostling you around physically. It's, bo- it's bossing you around, that's what I say to people. 
add in the pressure and expectation that you should be good at this and you need to make something to give somebody because they asked you to make a mug for them. And even though it takes months, sometimes years to master this skill, it makes for a very unpleasant experience when you're first starting out and you've got all that hanging over you. It's hard to follow instructions. It's hard to learn. Throwing on the wheel is not particularly visual. Actually, you really just need to feel the clay. And so I find that whenever I suggest that a student closes their eyes, something changes. Their face relaxes, and I think I can see some of their thoughts dissipate. Their hands start to do things without being told. They start reacting to the clay based on feeling rather than thought. I'm fascinated by this phenomena, and I try to apply it to other aspects of my life, as I often do when I make a discovery about the material world. A lot of the world feels like too much right now, on a micro and macro level. We are bombarded with sensations, information, thoughts, and feelings. If you were to shut off a sense just for an hour or a minute, what would you shut off, and how would that change that hour or minute for you? Maybe it's noise-canceling headphones, like Xi. Maybe it's closing your eyes, but continuing on, like my students. Lately, I've been doing so many different things. My schedule is always different. Sometimes it's really full, sometimes it's eerily quiet. I find that taking 45 minutes to an hour and retreating to my room, drawing the curtains, taking off all my clothes, jumping in the shower, and then laying down, Closing my eyes and my ears, it resets me. And it feels like how clay must feel when you wedge it, you reset it, you redistribute all the moisture. Clay is thrixopic, which means that when it's disturbed, it becomes more fluid. And when it sits for a long time, it is stiffer and harder to move. When you take it out and gently turn it, pressing it rhythmically, redistributing all the particles with pressure, It's easier to work with. Smooth and circular, it sheds the memory of the former container. Another beautiful thing that I've learned is that clay originates from igneous rock, like granite or feldspar. These are rocks produced by volcanoes, and over millions of years, water erodes them until the tiny particles can slip over one another, and water can creep in between the particles creating a clay body made up of alumina, silica, and chemically bonded water. A clay artist takes that clay, creates something with it, then puts it in a kiln, mirroring the geological processes the material went through millions of years ago, transforming that wet clay back into stone. That is so cool. Which leads me to my fifth category, adventure. I've been thinking about going on a vacation or traveling, just doing something not for work or not to visit friends and family. I haven't done something like that since I was in my late teens and early 20s when I studied abroad. I feel a pull towards volcanoes. I want to go to the source of my material that I have spent decades with. Maybe I can find a volcano next to a lake and I can be with the minerals and the organic compounds all at once. That vacation dream is not really a vacation, but a fantasy of where I want to place myself and what I can learn from the environment around me. Some questions I leave you with today. Where do you want to be right now? 
How do you reset after being stuck in a container for too long? And what do you learn when you close your eyes for just one minute? Thank you for listening to this non-traditional episode of Material Fields. If you'd like to listen to the episode featuring Wood with Dominique, who is making a sculpture for our show in June, go back to season one, episode three. I made that episode the first month of the pandemic. If you'd like to learn more about Glass and Deborah Tresco, who's also making a sculpture, check out episode five of season two. I'm still working on season three, where I will return eventually to the classic sound-rich documentary-style episodes that you remember from seasons one and two, once I have capacity and I don't know when that will be. I'll keep recommending other shows, updating you, and celebrating the material world until then. If you're local to the Bay Area, I'd love to see you in the studio for a clay class. If you can make it to the show in D.C. in June, wonderful. And wherever you are, I hope you take an opportunity to close your eyes, reset, and reconvene with the material world in a way that makes you feel seen and alive. Love, love, love you. Love you, bye, bye, bye. Material Feels is produced by me, your host, Catherine Monahan. I'm an artist and audio storyteller based in Oakland, California, living on a lonely land. I'm originally from New York State. I've got a background in art and a lifelong love for the material world. Our associate producer, Elizabeth Elise, produces original music for each episode and crafts our underscores. Sounds are also sourced from freesound.org and MSFX. And that last track you heard was Brazilian Reggae by Juanitos.